Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the One Shop Movement Podcast where we dive deep into the stories of entrepreneurs, business people and inspiring stories that are just out there making it happen. Today we're with Peter DiPrinzio who is an amazing story. In fact, uh, we've been friends online for a while and I reached out to him as he's out there sharing his message to see if he'd jump on the show. Uh, he sent me a link of a recent um, press release which they describe as a story that could be made into a Hollywood movie. He has beaten all types of adversities from wrongful imprisonment, uh, poverty, divorce, loss of family, where he hasn't seen his daughter since she was three years old, depression, attempted suicide, and being told he had terminal cancer. We talk about all of that and his whole vision, mission, and business around never giving up and mindset. So sit back and enjoy this week's episode of the One Shot Movement podcast. Okay, everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the One Shop Movement podcast, where we dive deep into the stories of entrepreneurs, business people, inspiring people that are out there making it happen. And today I'm with Peter DiPrinzio, uh, if I pronounce it correctly. Um, and we've uh, recently connected on social media, and I've been following a bit about his story. And I reached out to him uh, recently to see if he'd jump on the One Shop Movement podcast because he's got quite a fascinating story to tell. Uh, I read an article that it could even be made as a Hollywood movie. So we're going to dive into a bit of the, some of this story here. But he's uh, really out there sharing the message about never giving up no matter what. And um, he's got quite a powerful story to, to share where he has faced many adversities and challenges. And some of those include Poverty, divorce, loss of family, depression, attempted suicide, wrongful imprisonment, and even terminal cancer. So that's a, a big bundle of um, challenges and adversity. So I'm really looking forward to uh, hearing a bit more about Peter's story. And um, on that note, uh, welcome to the show, Peter. Thank you, Craig. Thank you for having me on your show. Thank you. No worries. And I always like to get people to start with their, to actually unpackage their story. Like there's a bundle of different challenges you've faced along your journey. So, you know, let the audience know a bit about your story and some of the challenges you've faced and um, what you're doing. Thank you. Well, can I start at the beginning? Why? You know, because I'm a believer that things happen for a reason. Yep. Um, 37 years ago, 37 years ago, I'm 58, by the way, just so... You know, people say, 37, how old's a guy? I'm 58. But 37 years ago, as a 21-year-old, I grew up, I was born in Newcastle. So we came to Sydney and we came to a motivational seminar here in Sydney with my sales group. And on that day, there was Zig Ziglar, uh, Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, uh, Ogmandino, John Maxwell, and Alan Peace. And I remember as a 21-year-old, Craig, I walked out of there after the seminar at 6.30 and we were going back to, the, to our van to come back to Newcastle. And I said to my boss, I said, you know what, Mr. Williams? I now know what I want to do. He said, sorry, what do you mean? I said, I want to be a speaker like these guys. And he looked at me and he goes, really? I said, yeah, there's something that happened to me. And I said, I just want to influence and inspire like they just did to us 10,000 people in, at the Horton Pavilion. So he looked at me and this is what he said to me. This is 37 years ago. 
He says, you know what, Pete? I think you could be one of the great ones. But let me give you some, some advice. He says, some of the greatest speakers on earth today and the highest paid speakers have a great story to share. Now, as a 21-year-old, Craig, I thought he meant, okay, I've got to come out with a great joke or a story to break the ice. That's what I'm thinking he's telling me. Little did I know that the universe, God, had a different um, thinking of what I had to go through to be able to be a speaker and share my story. So I say to people, it took me 37 years of my apprenticeship to be able to stand on stage today, what I do, and share around, not only Australia, but around the world. So I planted that seed 37 years ago, and God said, I'll give you a story. And it all started that, um, like you mentioned, there's seven things. There's seven things. So um, I've got an event in two weeks' time called, um, it's uh, called The Greatest Comeback Stories of All Time. Not once, but seven times. And that's exactly true. So going to prison for two years, loss of family, divorce, depression, attempted suicide, being financially broke, down to $7.00. And then getting told, I'd never walk and this is how long you've got to live with terminal incurable cancer. Now, without going too much into it, they're the seven things that I faced, that I faced, started from 30 years ago to 2014. That was terminal cancer. And I was able to overcome them. And um, did you want me to go bit further into that I, I think we will go into each one but um I, I, on a really um good point that you made there about your 37 year journey and then a, you know your story gets told I often tell people that because you know I had I've been in business for 20 years I've had a lot of highs lows building 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 contacts building and then you know you get to a point where just everything just um, flows through in a big wave of you know success and people always say you know you know, you, you've had a lot of success in business and life, et cetera, et cetera. I said, yeah, but it's been a 15-year journey in the last five years have been what it is and what's happening and unfolding now. So I really do resonate with what you're talking about with, you know, you, you can't just be an overnight speaker or an overnight success story. It's often your journey and your story. So love to uh, hear about some of these seven key um, comeback stories. Well, the first one was when I went to jail, and that's because in 1985, I was working for a company called Legal and General, and we were, we were doing, you know, like insurance, uh, life insurance, financial advice, you know, investing money. So through some family members, would you believe, I gave some advice and to put money in a particular, uh, uh, you know, investment in stocks and invest in their money. They wanted conservative, and I'm saying, no, 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 go into this because this is a high return, because at the time, that's what was happening. And against their will, that's what happened. And in 87, you can Google it, if some of the people weren't even alive back then, uh, we had the biggest stock market crash in Australia, November 87. It pretty much wiped all their money. Now, on paper, they wiped out their money, but try and tell an Italian or Europeans or you know, ethnics that you know, it's only on paper, don't worry about it, it'll come back. Didn't work. So long story short, without getting too much into it, I went to their lawyers, uh, I, I went to court, duty of care, and my barrister, now this is the interesting part, my barrister, I didn't have a jury, nothing, went to the judge, Newcastle, they, you know, they all know each other. And they said, okay, what are you going to do to my client? What, what do you have in mind? And he says, well, I looked at all the paperwork and everything else. I'm just going to garnish his wages for the next 10, 15 years, and he can pay it off. Now, as he goes, because he, he's younger and you know, he needs to make money. 
So my barrister says, no, that's not going to happen. What's the alternative? He says, okay, well, we put him in, comes out, clean slate, new life. He said, that's what you're going to do. I'll take care of the rest. Not, I had no idea that this was happening beyond the scenes. I've never been in trouble with the police, never been in trouble with the law ever. So, you know, you can imagine when I get told, bang, two years, I, I, my, my heart sunk. I was in the court, the, the, the security, the police come and they took me downstairs. They asked me to take my tie off, my, my shoelaces, my, my belt, because I had to go in the way, you know, in jail downstairs. And, and for three hours, I just sat there on my own, Craig. I was crying. I'm thinking, what the, what, what's going on? Like, what, what, what's happening to me? And then the fear factor came in. So three hours or so went by. They came and got me. They, they handcuffed myself to another guy, a Serbian guy. We get in the paddy wagon off from Newcastle Court to Maitland. It's about a 45-minute drive. So you can imagine this guy who I was handcuffed to has been in and out of jail and home, boys, like for about 30 years. Mm. And he was swearing at the cops and calling them dogs. And, th and I'm saying to him, shh, shh, don't you like your He's, nah, you don't know what they're like. And I won't even say the words he was using. So, mm. and I remember him saying to me, one thing he said, bro, I'm going to tell you. When you go there, they're going to tell you to get protection, D-wing, which is, you know, all the pedophiles and what they call the dogs, which is, you know, people who dob on other people. He said, don't take it. He said, because you'll be branded, bro. As we kept saying to me, do you understand? Against what they'll tell you, you're the new kid on the block. You do not say yes to that. So here I am shaking, thinking, what's going on? Anyway, I didn't go to, I, I wanted to stay in general population. And um, that was a Thursday night, Craig. and. Friday morning, we got up at six, they let us out and, you know, our rice bubbles and a cup of coffee. And after that, I sat in the corner in the, in the yard, right in the corner, I wanted to see what was happening. And about an hour was, went by, I was on my own and, and three bikies started to walk towards me. And I thought, here we go, first day I'm gonna have issues here. And uh, they were standing over me. And back those days, 30 years ago, we're talking the traditional, you know, the, the beard, the, you know, not, not the Versace you know, gear and the three, six pack. Didn't look like that back then. So they're standing over me and they said, uh, is your name DiPrinzio? And I said, oh, no, here we go. I said, yeah. I said, how do you know that? He goes, that's not important now. What's important is my name is um, Tommy's name, his nickname, and this is Robbo and someone else. He said, as of right now, he said, you are under our wing. I said, what? I said, first of all, how do you know my name? And I said, what do you mean I'm under your wing? I said, sorry you know, uh, Jack, that's his nickname. I've never been in jail, I said to him, but I've watched movies and I know what happens. You do me a favor, then you want a favor. I said, listen, I said, I don't want any problems. He says, no. And he said, shut the, I won't say, but he says, shut the F up, wog. Is what he said to me. He said, you don't understand. He said, you know your barrister, such and such? I said, yeah, he's been our barrister for 15 years. He tipped us off, you were coming in. No one will come near you or touch you or do anything from today onwards. So two years, no one came near me, nothing happened. I got elected as jail delegate. I represented 262 inmates. Not that that's on my resume, Craig, but that's what happened. And you know, I helped a lot of people. So that was my first, I started to get a bit of, by helping inmates in there. And some of them, let me tell you, were very, very, like hardened crims, bikies, murderers, but I was talking to them. 
there was something about me that I was talking to him saying, listen, it's okay. You know, we, we all have a second chance at life. It's called tomorrow. And when you get it, you know, so I'm talking, I'm helping. And so that was my first speaking, if that's the word, mentoring 30 years ago. Anyway, I got out, Newcastle, got out after two years. And back in those days, in the late 80s, 90s, the rag trade was the in thing. And I, I decided to get in the rag trade and my own label. And I met a guy by the name of Paul Harrigan. He played for the Knights, the Chief, they call him. Yes. Back in those days, him and Laurie Daly were, you know, were up the top. So we met. He wanted his own jackets, caps, tops, hoodies with his own label. He said, will you? I said, no, I can do all that. I'm thinking this is my ticket to getting back on top and making money. So he said, okay, you organize everything. He said, I'll just give you the order as I said, fine, let's do it. So I went and borrowed 80,000, went and organized embroidery material. I bought, I got everything ready. Then I get a phone call. He said, Pete, can you meet us in Derby Street? This is a place in Newcastle for a coffee tomorrow morning. I said, sure, I'll be there. What time? 10. I got there. He was there with his manager and he sat there and he said, look, Pete, I need to ask you something. He said, is it true that you, you, you went to jail? I said, yes. I said, but that was nothing. I didn't kill, rape. I didn't murder anyone. He goes, that's okay. He said, but unfortunately, I'll have to end the business relationship right here, right now. He said, nothing against you personally. He said, but just understand one thing. The media will have a field day. They'll put the chief in bed with the next crim. He said, I can't afford that. I just signed with Nike, some multi-million dollar you know, sponsorship deal. So he said, we have to end it. That was my... I thought, here we go. I just got all this material, all this embroidery, 80,000 loan and no business. So you can mm. imagine how I felt. I hated my situation, mm. but I didn't react. I responded. So I packed up, I moved to Sydney and that was 25 year odd years ago. And I started all over again. I paid back the debt. It was a learning curve, got on my life, got married, had a baby girl. And what happens, I find out she was having an affair. She left me. Um, she took my daughter. By the way, that was 19, uh, uh, sorry, 2006, 2007. I haven't seen my daughter since then. She was wow. three years old. She's now 16. I haven't seen her, I haven't heard from her because we didn't go through the courts. And, um, and I'm not going to get into it because if people come to my event, I, I share the whole story. So I don't want to spoil it. So mm. after that happened, I went downhill. You probably know where I'm going here. Mm. We all went to that dark place. I got diagnosed with clinical depression. They put me on medication, sleeping tablets. Then in March, 2008, I said, enough's enough. I was down to $7. You know, I went to a Gloria Jeans and I wanted to buy a muffin, a coffee, great. And I was short. I couldn't buy both. I mean, that's how, and I was in tears. I just said, enough's enough. So I parked my car uh, out West in Sydney and, wrote a suicide note, a photo of my daughter, and I took 75 tablets. Mm. I took the Zoloft's, antidepressants tablets, sleeping tablets, Panadine, Panadine, for, I took it all. Anyway, through the grace of God, I didn't die. And I won't tell you why I didn't and how, because again, I don't want to spoil it, but I ended up in, in the Peen Hospital, uh, which is here in Sydney, and they pumped my stomach out. And two weeks I spent in jail, and the day I left, the specialist came to me and said, I don't know, son, if you believe in a high being or God, but someone's looking over you 
you, you should be dead. That's what he said to me. That was in 2008. Anyway, got discharged, went home to my uncle's place. I was staying at the time. I, uh, I went, had a shower, went to my bedroom. I got on my knees and I remember just saying, you know what? Because I, I do believe in God. I said, God, you kept me alive for a reason. And I looked back in my life and I said, you've kept me alive all this time, all this adversity. So obviously you have a purpose for me. I said, open the doors, I'll do the rest. Well, I did. I got back on my feet. I started to do business and I met a, I met a beautiful lady. Anyway, 2014 came, July, actually this week coming, six years ago, I get diagnosed with multiple myeloma, which is a bone marrow cancer, terminal incurable. And they said, I never walk. And they said, this is how long you got to live. But this is the interesting part. That night at the cancer unit, when the doctor came with the, the oncologist or the two doctors and they read out the diagnosis, I remember when they told me this, they said to me, is there anything you want to say or ask? And this is my response. I said, doctor, with all due respect, I said, see that piece of paper? That's not going to tell me what I can, what I can't do. Number one. Number two, I'm going to beat this with my mind. Number three, I believe in God. God's much bigger than that piece of paper. I'm going to beat this. Now, I remember he looked at me for about two seconds thinking I was on morphine. Mate, the guy's off his nut. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And he said, that's okay, sir. We'll come back tomorrow when you had a good night's sleep. They walked out. My family, my partner was there. And they said to me, do you understand how serious this is? I mean, do you really understand how serious what he just said? And that's when I said, I responded. I said, that's the difference. I don't want to accept it. Because once I accept what he just told me, my, my body will react to the, what I'm saying and the body will then shut down and I will die. But if I delete it from my mind and my subconscious, my body will then respond to what I'm thinking. And that was the start six years ago that the first night I laid there and I visualized that I'd be on stage, that I was on stage and I even visualized what I had on. In front of people sharing how I was able to heal myself and beat all the sudden adversity in my life to have the message of never giving up, no matter what, and being able to do what I do, which I do today, is speaking. 37 years ago, I planted that seed. Mm. 2020, I'm doing that. I know that we've got COVID 19, everything else, but that's what I'm doing. I'm living the dream. So, in short, they're the things that I went through. Um, that, um, that I, I didn't beat me. I overcome each and, and every one of them. And that's why my message to everyone is life will throw, like they're talking about a second wave. Life's the same, wave after wave, like yourself. It'll hit, it'll come. We've just got to be able to um, respond, not react to what happens. Never react. That's negative. Respond. That's positive. When you respond, your body will respond. If you react, the body's going to do the same. And, you, and then if you do that, that's where yeah, depression and anxiety and, and fear and confusion comes in. But if you know what you want, because on that deathbed, I knew I had purpose to live. I had a reason to stay up and, and, and the next morning, wake up and breathe. And the next, and the next. And that purpose was to share my story, to be a speaker. When you have that in your body, in your soul, that keeps you alive. That keeps your head above water. 
Mm. So in brief, that's my story. <laughs> no, that's uh, very fascinating. You can see why in that article I read it's uh, got the makings of a Hollywood movie. There's certainly a number of different um, challenges. And you're exactly right. You know, life, you just bounce from one challenge to the next to the next. And, um, you know, my whole vision, mission book uh, that I'm just about to launch is you've got one shot at life, give it your best shot, whatever it is for you, live life with passion and purpose. And that, you know, was really inspired and manifested from uh, 2014 as well my wife and I have a stillborn baby and I then said at the at the funeral that you know you know I want him to have his legacy his message to get out there and six years later I launched that book and and this podcast which is why we're talking to you but the whole thing was understanding how precious life can be because my son didn't get one breath on planet Earth. You're in the game. So what have you got to worry about? So, you know, very different but very similar type of uh, aligned messages there. And what, one question in regards to, you know, it's, uh, you know, having the mindset and uh, you said that, you know, you said this isn't going to beat me. Was it just the way you were thinking or was there... Um, a, uh, more of an alternative health approach that helped you get through that um, challenge of, you know, term, let's say terminal cancer, or did you still continue on with their advisory path as well, or you just believe in God and the miracle of it all fixed it all? Well, okay. See, to me, uh, the the secret, the law of attraction, with the the manifestation of things, you know, when you see things and believe. To me, manifestation slash miracle is the same thing. Um, whilst I was in, I spent a month in hospital and uh, they started to give me some treatment. But whilst I was in hospital, I was researching people because I had my iPad around the world who overcome terminal cancer. And, and, and I started to research and study their mindset. And the biggest thing, and today, not only am I a speaker and, and a mentor, mindset coach, but I do a lot of work with cancer patients. Now I tell them, and please understand, whoever's watching this 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 uh, uh, podcast, I'm not a healer. I'm not a specialist. I'm not a professor. I'm not a scientist. Please, guys, I'm not. This is my story. This mm. is my journey. And I tell, even when I in public, you know, I'm a speaker. I tell them, it's like a you know a disclaimer. I'm not here to say if you're on chemo or whatever, uh, uh, you know, radiation stop. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is this that 80% of cancer patients who overcome and beat the odds, 80% was their attitude. 20% then became lifestyle and, and food, change of food, uh, what they eat. So 80% is here, is here. Because remember what I said, the mind will, you know, the subconscious is the most powerful thing that we were given. Even if you believe in evolution, you believe, whatever you want to believe in, the subconscious we've got, we've all got it. And the body will again, react or respond to how you feel and use what you say to yourself. Now, let me go back. Let me go back. This is how I explain this. When we are born as a child, you, you've obviously got children and we've all had children. When they, when we both, even us, when we started to walk, we didn't just get up as a child and start walking as a baby. It didn't happen. We tried, we fell. We hit our head. We had a bruise. We cried for hours. But does a baby stop walking? No. Why is that? Because it's in our DNA that whatever we set out to do, we have to accomplish it, no matter what. 
Okay, no matter what, like a baby, it hits its head, it hurts, it must hurt, it gets a bruise. But a baby doesn't stop because it's in their DNA. It's in their DNA that you have to accomplish what you set out to do. So let's go a few years older, seven, eight years old, on the bike for the first time. No one knows how to ride a bike. You lose control, you fall. Some people may, may break their arm, their leg. But does that seven, eight-year-old stop getting on the bike? No. Why? It's in their DNA. Always finish what you accomplish, you know, to accomplish what you set out to do. But the problem we have, Craig, then when we get 12, 13, 14 years old, we're at high school, then all of a sudden we start to hear, read, get told, it's too big, it's impossible, it's too hard. All of a sudden the subconscious, the, the, the mindset changes and the fear comes in and fear stands false evidence appearing real because the subconscious doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's not, but accepts everything as a fact and the body then reacts or responds to that. They start to, and this is the problem, why we've got so much suicide in kids and drugs and, and gangs, because no one's teaching these young people, teenagers, about uh, having a dream, a desire, um, getting on the right track, the right mindset, that whatever you may hit, you may hit a brick wall, but you know, you still keep going, you don't go off track. And, mm -hmm. and this is what I'm trying to teach today. It's in our DNA to never give up, no matter what. But we lose that along the way. But for, for some reason, Craig, I never lost that. Like I never lost that. Maybe because I had planted the seed and I wanted to be a speaker so much, that kept me going. That kept me going subconsciously with everything I faced, including when I tried to commit suicide. And let's go back to the cancer. One of the reasons that I was able to heal myself, and by the way, it's on video, it's on iPhone, that I started to walk after two weeks. Right? And within six months, I did a blood test, December the 15th, that year, 2014. They asked me to come back and do another one two weeks, two days after the first one. And I said, why? They said, well, something happened. We have to do another. Anyway, it was nothing come up. That was six years ago. And here I am today. I even played soccer last year. So the mind is the most powerful thing we have. But let me tell you something which is really inspiring. When I got diagnosed in July 2014, as you know, like now, we're in the middle of, or towards the end of a soccer, I was coaching a soccer team under 12s. And we were like fourth on the ladder. But when I was diagnosed in July, we still had about five, six weeks left before the semis and that, um, I couldn't coach them. So my girl, who was also the manager of the team, said to the team and to the parents, look, Peter's not coming back. He's got terminal cancer. And maybe he may not make it. Pretty much that's what she said to them. So you can imagine all the parents and all the kids, they were just, and what happened? They lost the last five games. They lost the last five games. So the last Saturday when they lost, they didn't make it. The team went up to the manager, Marina, and said, do you mind if we do a quick video and, and give our, you know, to say hi to our coach, Peter? She said, sure. So she got the phone and she, the whole 14 players, she came to the hospital that afternoon and said, Peter, they didn't make it. They lost again. But you need to watch this. And she gave me the phone. I spent, what, 20-odd minutes watching these guys saying, we miss you, we love you, wish you were here. That there was the turning point, really the purpose. Mm. And I swore on my bed that day, I said, I'm going to beat this because I, when I get out one day, I'm going to coach again. And that team that I coach 
This is 2014, right? I'm going to not only get to the grand final, I'm going to win. Hmm. Well, 2017, I had the opportunity to coach. They invited me. Isn't it amazing how life makes things happen? I get a kind of, would you like to coach? I said, sure, I'll coach, brand new team. And guess what? Without going too much into it, 2017, 2018, 2019, three grand finals in a row. We got there. We won two and we lost the last one on penalty shootout. It just shows you the power of the mind. I planted that seed on my deathbed and that was the reason to keep me alive because I wanted so bad to coach again and get a grand final. And that, to answer your question, and that will overcome and beat any type of treatment, whatever you're facing, illness, mental, emotional, physical, financial. You have purpose in life. That will get you through. That will get you through. Mm. And I do talk a lot to people about mindset and the importance of it, and it's a good topical part of the conversation and you know I do would often catch myself saying to people what some people see as challenges and adversities as a mountain I would see as a molehill or barely a speed hump Uh, what would you say to you know a lot of people do lack the mindset and the growth of the mindset what are some of the things that you believe are really important to help develop uh, a good mindset Look, I think to have a, a, a healthy mindset is uh, when I do a, a mentoring session, people are going through some tough times. I mean, that's why I mentor, because people come to me, reach out to me, are going through tough times, especially at the moment around the world. And one thing that I do share with them is this. We all tend to look at the past as a negative. And one of the cliches and one of the stories I share with them and say, look, when you get in your car in the morning and you're behind that wheel, so you've got total control, you're behind that wheel, why is it that the revision mirror is that big and the windscreen is that big, huge? I'll tell you the reason why. The revision mirror only shows you your past. The windscreen is where you're going, your destination in life, right? And that's how we relate it back to, to answer your question. People tend to look back, like me, if I was to look back, I have a jail, the depression, the suicide attempt, lost a family, divorce, I see my daughter, you know, terminal cancer. If I dwell on the past, that's going to affect me. It will, because you dwell on it, you think affirmation, and it's only going to make you go into that dark place again. And most people who get diagnosed with depression, the main reason is because they've had a, a reaction to a past or present circumstance that then their body reacts to how they feel. And that's why they go down to that dark place. Now, mm-hmm. I don't want to be controversial here, but depression is really not an illness or a sickness. Now, I'm not talking about mental, you know, someone who's got you know, like mental illness. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the word depression. Depression is a, is a reaction to a circumstance, past or present. That, that's really what it is. If we really get to the nitty gritty, and I, and I spent nearly 20 minutes with people, I usually find out there is a reason why they feel that way, why they want to think of committing suicide, you know? No one wants to die, but I know, I've been there. It's when you're faced with that dark thinking, there's no way out. Emotionally, you can't cope anymore. Hmm. That's when you want to end your life. But if we get into it and find out that there is a reason, and most of the reason is your past. Because there may have been a relationship, a, a loss of a business, you know, or, or something that has caused you to go to that dark place. 
I truly believe that the mindset is a computer. It is a computer. And if you turn on a computer, you get a, a virus. And like you said today earlier, you said went to your spam or whatever. I mean, when you get there and it is a virus, the worst thing you can do is download it. And then we're like, oh no, because then it affects your whole computer. So what you need to do is delete it and then delete it from the delete box. The subconscious mm. is the same. You've got to delete it from your mind and then your subconscious. Get rid of it. I don't care what's happened in the past. It doesn't matter. And I want to say I don't care. What I'm saying is it doesn't determine your future. See, today, Wednesday, uh, Tuesday, in July 2020, today is the day that people can change. One thought, one, just one thought can change your whole life around and mm. your future will change. Mm. But if we keep looking at our past, we keep looking at the revision mirror while we drive, what's going to happen? We're going to crash. And life's mm. the same. Don't look at what you've just gone past. The past is the past. Learn from it. Learn from it. Get your experience from it like I did. And then use that into, into your future and change things in your life and other people's lives. Mm. That's my message. Yeah, and look, I actually do talk a little bit about that type of topic in the book, you know, and I, I refer to um, uh, my son, my greatest adversity and challenge um, has become my biggest blessing without disrespect, you know, like I would love Ethan to be here and um, who's to say we would have had three children, so that would have meant either Zachary or Zoe weren't born, so like, you know, there's lots of different permutations there, but the important thing is that really catapulted me into having a bit of a purpose and, a, a, you know, I wanted to really go out and leave a legacy because a lot of people that had been through, say, my circumstance, that it just suppresses the emotion and they're not prepared to be open and talk about it. And I have spoken about a lot through this podcast. Um, so, you know, that, that's nothing new here to people that are following my podcast. But the important thing is, is, you know, your circumstances, you know, things don't happen to you. They happen for you sometimes. And, um, you know, what you've been through has catapulted you on to sharing your story and message to help people around the world. People, you, you, through what you do, what I do, uh, we, everyone has a story. I, I, I just have seven. I have seven stories. That's the thing combined. And, uh, and when I look back, whilst I was going through the, those dark times, you know, I was thinking as a, like most of us, you know, as a why me, but I never gave up, but I kept thinking why me? But again, you look back in my, my past, I do. And I think now I understand why. Now I wanted to be a speaker, but life, universe, God, whatever gave me my apprenticeship because without the apprenticeship, without going through the hard work, I, 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 what could I speak? What, what would I be on here today with you? You wouldn't have reached out to me. I wouldn't be able to send you my bio, my story and, and what I share. I'd have nothing. I'd just say, oh, I'm just a happy Italian guy who smiles. That's not going to help. But if I can tell them a story of what I've been through, the people in my audience or the people listening to this will say, wow, I'm going through that at the moment. What, um, with this COVID-19, Craig, I was... I did 11 radio interviews. I've got a, uh, a marketing media person who promotes me, right? So I had 11 radio interviews. And even the Daily Telegraph asked me to do a little article. And they were asking me, what should, what's my advice to people whilst going through all this? You know? And I said, well, to do the four R's, the R, which is whilst in lockdown or whilst you're going through hard times, I know the Victorians are at the moment. These are the four things I suggest people should do. 
is relax, take a step back, reflect, have a look at your, your past and where you want to go, recharge, read good books, mindset, listen to podcasts, listen to things, yeah, good things, and then be ready because when that green light, the door opens, be ready to hit the, the ground running. So they're my four things, relax, reflect, recharge, and be ready. And really, when I look back in my life, I was doing those subconsciously. You know, everything I hit, you know, the Paul Harrigan, the jail, the depression, I kept thinking, okay, okay, well, I can do this. Yep, even terminal cancer. That's okay. This is part of the story, but I'm going to beat this. And that's what we need to do. That's what we really need to do. And the, and the manifestation and slash miracle will happen. I knew I was going to beat cancer. I knew it in my heart. I visualized it. I saw it. I believed it. And that's what then happens. It manifests. So, yeah, that's my message. You know, I'm here today because of that. Hmm. That never give up. You know, so you know, there's not much more. I, hmm. I was a school dropout. I didn't go to college. I didn't go to uni. I left school at 15. I hated school. I couldn't speak English till I was five. Because mum and dad spoke Italian to me till I went to kindergarten. So for seven months, I was crying nearly every day. I couldn't understand the teachers. I had no friends. I couldn't understand. So I went through probably more than seven things, but they're the seven main things. So I went through adversity all my life for 50 odd years, 58 years. Mm. But I'm here saying, hey, you can do it too. If I can do it, you can do it. It's in us. It's in our DNA. Mm, powerful message. And when you're mentoring someone, for example, you know, you found your purpose, your why, whatever, how would you help someone that's, you know, just rolling through life one week to the next uh, in a groundhog day type of environment, not happy, you know, they're paying their bills, they're, you know, happily married, but they, they, they feel unfulfilled. What would you be saying to somebody in that situation, uh, a good way to connect with a purpose? Well, as you know, I don't know if you've done any mentoring, there are people that are happy, when I say happy, they don't, you know, like me, I, I think... I, I think big and double it. I, I always do that. Uh, there are people that want to, with business people, that want to be ultra, you know, very successful in life, in whatever industry they're in. So obviously I would um, respond to that in a different way to someone who's happy working nine to five and that they're happy with that, but they're going through, you know, some issues and personal, maybe relationship uh, or, you know, they just want a little bit more out of life. Well, the thing is, we can have it. You know, we, we know the law of attraction. And, you know, I tell them a little bit about that. And then I, I tell them it's all about belief in yourself. You've got to believe in yourself. You've got to believe in yourself. There was a podcast last night. A lady came up. She said, you know, I'm very confused of what's happening here today because I just, I'm, I'm just, I don't believe in myself. And, and there's the key. If you do not believe in yourself, how can people believe in you? How can I mentor you, Craig, if you can't see in me the passion, the desire I've got you know, to want things in life. And I try and have, try and find out what they want in life. doesn't matter. I say to them, I don't care what you, whatever you want, whatever you desire, tell me now. And I'm going to show you how, how there is hope and a future for you to achieve that, whatever it may be, whatever it may be. But you need to tell me first what you want, because once you get it out of them, all of a sudden they start to release endorphins, which is the most powerful natural drug that we've, we've been given. And then your body will respond to that. So I always ask them, tell me, let's say a piece of paper, nothing was, nothing was impossible. 
what would you like out of life? It'd be amazed how many people start to write things and tell you really what they want, really what they want. And once you've done that, there's the seed. There's that seed. And then you show them. I teach them that never give up attitude. I teach them about the power of positive thinking. I teach them that, you know, that really, including terminal cancer, nothing really can be impossible to achieve. But you've got to believe it first. You've got to believe it first. Can I say something? And this is not yeah. a religious segment. I understand that. Mm. But 2,000 years ago, the guy by the name of Jesus knew the secret. And the reason why I say that is because when he would heal someone, remember the words. This is what we all forget. They all think, oh, yeah, this guy, even if you don't believe in God, this guy was just a, you know, a, a miracle maker, but he touched them and healed them. No, he didn't do that. He would touch them and say, if you were blind, he would say, Craig, believe you can see, now open your eyes and see. If you were crippled, he would touch you and say, Craig, believe you can walk, now get up and walk. So what was he doing? He was planting the seed first, making you believe it, now get up and do it. So life's the same. Today, 2,000 years, the, you know, the secret, the law of attraction is exactly that. Believe it first. I had to believe everything in my life for it to manifest. Hmm. Terminal cancer. I had to believe that I was cured. I had it, but I believed day one that I was cured. And then the miracle, the manifestation happened. Mm. If you don't believe in it, nothing's, nothing will happen. I don't care whatever treatment, whatever, unless you believe you can overcome circumstances and adversity, it will never happen. doesn't matter what happens out there. And, and at the end of every episode, we always ask a few what I call rapid-fire questions that don't have to be rapid-fire answers. But if somebody um, was looking to uh, expand their knowledge in this whole mindset type of space, or is there a book or uh, you know, content out there that you really would recommend an individual um, read or listen to? Okay, one book that changed my life completely, and I think everybody, if they can get a chance, you can download it. Now they've got ebook now and that is a book called The Power of Positive Thinking. That book, um, that book itself, you know, Dr. Norman, uh, Norman, Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, he, this guy was ahead of his time. He's passed away now, but this man, that book, if you get a chance, guys, go and buy it, download it, and read it, and read it again. <laughs> Let me tell you, it, it tells you about the subconscious and how the powerful attitude of positive attitude, what it can do in your life. I'm telling you, that's the book that changed my life. And that's the book that can change and will change your life if you read it. So that book, definitely. And what about the best bit of advice along your journey would you have ever received? Okay. Well, not received, but what I say and what I teach. And, I, and, and like you said, we'll end it on this. Whatever, whoever's watching this and listening to this, whatever you may be right now facing, whatever, remember this. If you do not control circumstances around you, circumstances is going to control you. That's it. And think about what I just said. If you do not control circumstances, circumstances will control you, whatever it may be. What about the worst bit of advice? <laughs> This is too hard. I'm giving up. I hate people that say that to me. Oh, it's too hard, Peter. I'm giving up. I can't do this. Don't say that because you can, you can, you can. I'm living proof. You know, when you, again, you say that, 
when people say, you know, the body will react to that. So my advice, the worst, you know, when I hear people say, I can't do this. It's impossible. It's too hard. I haven't got the energy. No, you do. You just got to tweak your mindset a little bit, change your thought. And let me tell you, that Ferrari will come out. It'll go. And, um, you know, COVID-19 has been a a little roadblock for you. You just started your big PR tour, speaking gigs, and that's, you know, stopped a lot of that at the moment. What about your next three to five years? Where do you see what you're doing going? Look, again, I don't let circumstances control me. I control circumstances. I was able to, whilst in lockdown, to be able to do this sort of stuff and helping people. And now the restrictions have been lifted a little bit. I'm doing my event in Sydney in, um, on the 22nd. So if anyone in Sydney would like to come along, um, please, I'm sharing my full story, like you just heard now, a bit more in depth. Um, come along. We have got restrictions in place, you know, social distancing, the venue. Um, you can, am I allowed to give my... Yeah, I'm going to ask that question at the end. Oh, okay, well, I won't <laughs> give it you. When Craig asks, I'll give it to you. But um, so my vision is this. I have, and it's in all over my, my, my property here, my house, I have a photo of a stadium, a sports stadium with 30, 40, 50,000 people. And I see myself on stage in front of a, a sports stadium, mm-hmm. right? Sharing my story, not for 500 people, but 50,000 people. I planted that seed, right? I have now, because I think bigger than double it. Because without it, I'm limited. You've got to think big, guys, and double it. That's where I will be. I will be going to America. I will be going to Europe. I will be going to Brazil. I'll be going all over the world share my story. Because with all what we're going through at the moment around the world, people are going to need people like you and me to give them inspiration. That's why I class myself as an inspirational speaker, not a motivational. I don't want to motivate anyone. Because that lasts for a week or two, then I inspire people. I give them something to inspire them that no matter what, they'll keep chasing their dream, their desire, whatever they want in life. Because I did it. And I was a school dropout, ethnic Italian that hated school. And I went adversity after adversity after adversity. But I, I came back because of my never give up attitude. And that's where I see myself. My legacy is to change 1 million people's lives around the world. That's my legacy. One people, one million people's lives, completely around. Very powerful. And what about just in wrapping up, uh, your where do people find you? Your event, um, uh, website, social media, go for it. Okay. So I, um, do you know what? People laugh. I still write, and I'm not going to lie to you. I'm old school. I still write checks. Okay. So, <laughs> so I. And that's a fact. I still write checks. I'm still when people say, oh, do you know you can do transfers through bank? I said, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm old school. So um, I'm on Facebook under just Peter DePringer, inspirational speaker. I have a, another Facebook page called Never Give Up, which is N-V-G-V-U-P. Um, and I'm on Instagram. But on the 22nd, which has been since, what, the end of February, March, I haven't been able to get. So I'm like a a lion being released. Trust me, whoever comes that night, forget what you, you're feeling or seeing now, it'll be 10 times more <laughs> powerful. So that night, it'll be here in Sydney. Um, they can email me. It's limited seats only, guys. It's in a main auditorium that sits up to 600, but we only allow in 140 because of social distancing, right? So 
Tickets are selling really quick, so it's limited seats. I'll give you my email address. I'm using three screens, a $260,000 audio hi-fi or PA system, because I've got music and videos, like powerful inspirational stuff. So you guys need to come and listen and watch. If you want to wear a mask, not a problem. You can wear a mask, but come. So if they can email admin, admin at nvgvup, right? Which is never give up. nvgvup.com.au. That's my events manager. She'll give you a link and they can secure your spot. Seven o'clock till 9.30, Wednesday the 22nd. In, uh, are you in Sydney or Melbourne, aren't you? Melbourne, Melbourne. Okay, well, it's in Sydney and you'll get all the full details, whoever's in Sydney, come watch. It's only $39, $39. The, it's not about making money because I could have charged, someone said you could charge three, 400 people, and, which I have, and people come here, 39. That's just to cover the cost of the venue for everything and staff and all. All it is is I want to spread the message because people need to hear it right now. They're going through really tough times forget the coronavirus my people are going suicide thoughts and losing business and families and money people need to be inspired if you haven't got 39 and you really cannot afford it but you want to come guess what guys drop me a link get an old ollie watch is my guest free of charge right but you've got to be serious you know what i mean uh, yeah. that you're doing it tough and all you can come as my guest because i really want to help people i really do and on that note, uh, Peter, it's been a fascinating conversation. We've been connected on social media for a little while now, so I have uh, watched a bit of your journey. We have uh, liaised a few times in chat, and I look forward to uh, heading up to Sydney or, uh, sometime and uh, maybe connecting in person. And really um, glad you've had the uh, ability to take the time to jump on the show today. Thank you. It was, a, look, it was a pleasure to be on, and I hope whoever's watching this and listening to this or yeah, you've got some form of something to walk away and say, you know what, I can do this. By the way, I had twice, Melbourne, I had to postpone it twice because your last restrictions now. So, but I will get to Melbourne. I will definitely get to Melbourne. I've had so many people through social media saying, please, Peter, come to Melbourne. But I can't. I can, but you won't be able to come. And second of all, then I have to spend two weeks in quarantine coming back. So, but I will get to Melbourne, Craig. And I'd love you to be there front row. Lovely. Thanks for that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, everybody. And remember, never give up no matter what. No matter what. Wow, what an incredible story. And, you know, going through so much hardship and challenge and adversity and bouncing back, um, you know, you can really see the positive outlook he has on life. And he's doing whatever it takes and he'll never, ever, ever give up. And that's his message to the world. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Peter. It was quite a fascinating one. If you haven't got my book, You've Got One Shot, make sure you head across to craigschultz.com. And at the end of every episode, I always say, please share these episodes with people, put it on your social media. If someone needs to hear this message, make sure that you send it to them. It really helps uh, give us feedback because it really helps us get high quality guests like Peter. And as I say at the end of every episode, you've got one shot at life. Go out there and give it your best shot. My name's Craig Schultz and I'm the host of the One Shot Movement podcast.